0: This
1: your I thought you had decided to stay.
0: Well, the bounty hunter, we ran into, and Lord Mendel changed my mind. Han, we need you.
2: Hurry it up, will you,
3: R2? Not much time left before we... You do. haven't got any time left at all, Solo.
1: Han, look out, he's got a blaster! Keep
3: your hand away from your weapon, Solo. You're more valuable to me, alive. But I wouldn't
4: hesitate to shoot you. <laughs> I'll be. What does everybody dream about being a crummy bounty hunter? Oh, but I am
3: one, Solo. A better one than Greedo or any of the others you've killed. Yes,
2: I bet you have.
3: My uncle.
5: Star Wars Milkers everywhere, welcome to episode number 271 of Blast Points. This is Jason and this is Gabe. We talk about a lot of weird stuff on Blast Points. I don't know if you folks have noticed that already, <laughs> but this may be one of the top pieces in the museum of Star Wars oddities. This week we are talking about the 1983... Star Wars audio adventure, I'm not exactly sure even what to classify it as, called The Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell. Gabe, what is this? Well, the album says a story from the Star Wars saga on it, so maybe that's the best description. It's a record album audio drama that's just, instead of being a book, it's, Audio. It's an audio book without a book. (laughs) (laughs) Musical theater. I don't know what you would call it. But if anything, it's like a a radio drama light. This is before, I mean, there was VHS, but it wasn't real big. And there weren't animated shows. So this is like the 1983 equivalent of Bad Batch, maybe? A A new Star Wars adventure. Because it's like this... Is such a weird Star Wars thing where it's like it's connected to the radio dramas, but it's also connected to the star wars read alone books like the Buena Vista like a New hope Empire Jedi like books on record it's It's like a weird combination of those two things, and it's it's massively out of print. And it's like really good, actually. It's like <laughs> it's not like a like, haha. You know, we we did episode on this stuff before. We talked about this before way back in episode twenty eight, which came out July fourth, twenty sixteen, and we we talked about it along with like Droid World and Planet of the Hoobjibs, which also were. Star Wars audio adventures, not based on movies, but those were based on old Marvel comics. Yeah, and we really didn't give Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell the time that it deserves by cramming it in with those other two. Because like we've said, this is kind of its own thing in a way. And it's almost like if your little brother had Planet of the Hoojibs and Droid World, your older sibling had Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell... And they were, like, burning incense and listening <laughs> to it on Friday nights or something. Hoobjibs and Droid World are insane and ridiculous and a whole lot of goofy. But Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell, it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's got a little bit of, like, the radio drama in it. Where, yeah, it's more for that kind of 12, 13-year-old Star Wars fan in 1983. The more refined Star Wars fan. I I don't need a read-along book with illustrations, thank you. I I prefer to listen in the theater of the mind. Get out the hi-fi and listen to some stereo laser sounds and weird aliens talking. I'm just going to put on my headphones. <laughs> Travel to that galaxy far, far away. It's it's definitely uh, uh on the list of of Star Wars headphones stuff. <laughs> 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 So, I think when we did that episode way back in 2016, though, I think part of the deal was that was the first time I had ever heard of this. And I think, I don't think we were ready in any way for Rebel Mission to Ord Mantel. Had you ever heard of it before? Had you, do you remember ever seeing this before, ever from 83 until 2016 or anything? No. Cause at the time, I mean, the only, Star Wars records I really knew about were the the Mako ones and, you know, the original soundtracks or some of the alternate recordings of the orchestral music, like the, the Moog one or, you know, all that sort of stuff. But this, yeah, I'd never seen it. I don't think we'd ever seen it at a celebration. We never saw it at a at a Goodwill or, you know, anywhere. So, yeah, when we came across it on YouTube, it was like, what? is this where has this been and I think going into it right after who and droid world we really weren't expecting this to be what it was either no because there's no Clixon. <laughs> <laughs> I am a cyborg turn back intruder or I'll blast you out of
4: space this is Clixon, and I don't want any dealings with you human life forms I'm a cyborg
5: there's none of that. This is yeah, played more kind of straight. And yeah, you know, a lot of that credit is due to the fact that this is written by Brian Daly, who was the author of the Han Solo trilogy and, like we said, the radio drama. And we don't know when Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell was released in 1983, but we do know that the original Star Wars radio drama aired on February 14th, 1983, so i would have to guess that this probably came out after the radio drama, probably since that was so early in the year. Did it come out before Jedi after Jedi? I have no idea. But before we get into all that, let's do a brief history on the bounty hunter from Ord Mantell, because this whole record is based on that one line in the Empire Strikes Back, which I went back and rewatched that line too. And over in our Bad Batch Patreon episodes, I had a whole thing where I was obsessed with the I, how I used to call Ord Mantell, Ord Mandrell, like the Mandrell sisters. But if you watch it again and listen to Harrison Ford, it kind of sounds like he's saying Ord Mandrell. Well, the bounty hunter we ran into when Ord Mandel changed my mind. Han, we need you. And it's, it's peak Star Wars, though, that even back in 1983, one line where... Han Solo mentions one planet gets a whole record album story about it and countless numbers of variations on the story on who this bounty hunter was because in the newspaper strip comics, there was this guy named score who was a cyborg goblin man. This records version is cypher who we'll talk about a a lot later in the Marvel comics. They had some unnamed green alien guy with fan ears then in the Young Jedi Nightbooks, books, Han tells his kids about Cipher and Score, and then they go to Ord Mantel for some reason. And while they're there, some guy named Zephros, who is a goblin guy with a cyborg face, but isn't Score, but looks exactly like Score, attacks them. And this was in, in, originally intended to be Score until the people writing the Young Jedi Night books figured out that Score died in the newspaper strips. There's a tiger person called Alfreda Goot. Who was a Mandalorian, but he was a tiger person, and he was mistakenly identified as the bounty hunter. And then in the Shells of the Empire game for the Nintendo sixty four, you fought IG eighty eight on a train on Ord Mantell, so maybe people thought that IG eighty eight was the bounty hunter. But I don't know. I I wish they would have stuck with the old EU canon because it just it just made so much more sense. <laughs> it was, was also clear back then. But you know, and speaking of Bad Batch too. I think the fact that, you know, Sid is on Ord Mantell and on Bad Batch, they went to Ord Mantell. It kind of planted the seed in our heads for revisiting the Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell record. And it also got me thinking, too, because we always have Boba Fett fever. You know, I think a lot of people, even probably young me, thought that Han was just referring to Boba Fett as the bounty hunter they met on Ord Mantell. You know, there's a lot of talk with Tamil Morrison hanging out in hot tubs, you know, the book of Boba. And we're going to be flashing through periods of time in Boba Fett's life, and maybe Boba Fett still could be the actual bounty hunter from Ward Mantell. But I think this record is my favorite explanation of the story. Well, in a, in a lot of ways, it feels like the most official, too, because it is audio. It's almost like, for some reason, it being actors and audio and talking seems more official than reading it in a book since the rest of the star Wars story before and after this is in the movies. So yeah, I I will say that this until we see otherwise, this is what really happened. Yeah. It's amazing all these years later that not only was that throwaway line, the inspiration for so much EU star Wars stories that, now, all these years later with Bad Batch, the fact that they decided of all the things that they could bring back, that they brought back Ord Mantel, And really, with Bad Batch, I mean, this is our first official visit to Ord Mantel, So it definitely is a location near and dear to Star Wars fans' hearts all these years. We need a green goblin cyborg man showing up at sid's arcade bar at some point sid is green she's not a goblin but it's close but yeah it would be nice for score to show up that's why he's called score because he's playing all the arcade games and he's always getting the high score playing skee-ball with omega nobody knows his name they just know he's always scoring When one of the episodes starts out and it's called High Score, but it's like S-K-O-R-R, then you'll know we were right. I think we just figured it out. A whole second half of Bad Batch. Break five, I'm going in.
2: quick pass to the planet you ready
4: ready to get chased and shot at you mean i can't wait luke how do i let you talk me into these things
2: those rebel intelligence analysts said we'll have plenty of time to get clear before the imperials can catch us huh
4: listen kid you didn't notice those analysts volunteering for this mission now did you they're no fools
2: then why'd you volunteer
4: Nah, it's better than saddle breaking tauntauns back at the Hoth base <laughs>
2: R2-D2, are you all set back there? <laughs> Great.
5: Okay, so how did the Rebel mission to Ord Mantell come about? Shockingly, there is very little information about this record online to help out we reached out to our old friends John and Maria Jose Tenudo who are experts on the radio drama and everything Brian Daly. We saw them at a panel on the radio dramas at Celebration Chicago and it blew our minds. We had them on episode what episode number was it? It was episode 188. Oh, one of one of our favorite episodes we've ever done all about the radio dramas. And Brian Daly, and they are awesome people. And thankfully, they provided us with a lot of information about just what the heck this crazy Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell record is. And yeah, as we all know, Brian Daly, he wrote the incredible Han Solo books, which were hugely influential on the EU. I mean, along with what, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, they were the, the blueprint for the expanded universe, And especially Brian Daly's Han Solo books, because they were just side adventures of Han Solo before A New Hope. It was Solo before there was Solo. And he was hired to write those alongside Lee Brackett, who was originally hired to write a trilogy of Leia novels that sadly were never able to happen because of Lee Brackett's unfortunate early passing And he got that job with writing the Han Solo books because of Lucasfilm's Carol Titelman, who started the the first Art of Star Wars book and got that amazing tradition going. And when Lucasfilm was getting ready to do the radio dramas, and they were like, who can we get to write these things? It was Carol Titelman who again thought of Brian Daly as the perfect person to to write the radio dramas. And according to the Tenudos, Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell was written after the first two radio dramas. I wish Brian Daly was around that we could ask him. But you've got to wonder if the story for Rebel Mission for Ord Mantell, if he was inspired to write it from writing the radio drama. It's like writing like the Empire radio drama and being like, "Well, what was Han's encounter with the Re- with the bounty hunter on Ord Mantell, or what was happening in between?" A New Hope and Empire. Which would make sense since they had to expand so much on the original movie for the original New Hope radio drama that it would make sense going into Empire of looking for every little nugget that could be extended. So maybe at some point, you know, in early drafts or something, maybe he was thinking about, well, there's this Ord Mantell incident. You know, what could this be? So it would make a lot of sense that this would come out of ideas that popped into his head writing the radio dramas. And supposedly it was Brian Daly who pitched the idea to do this to Buena Vista Records, who did the, like we said, the, the Star Wars read along books, which is always mind blowing to think that that was owned by Disney at the time. So things like Droid World or Jibs or this. Put out by Disney. <laughs> the, the Disney-Star Wars relationship before the sale to Disney is always just so fascinating. It's always been there. <laughs> it's like Palpatine, behind the scenes, waiting in the shadows. And I, I wonder if this came about because at the same time, Brian was working on the read-along book adaptation for War Games. Weirdly he was working with disney buena vista records to to do this war games thing but again it's like at that time there wasn't a lot of ways to relive a movie other than the book adaptation or this like a a radio or cassette version of the film so it kind of makes sense that you know the star wars one was popular so why couldn't every movie have a a radio drama LP version when you gotta wonder too if he was thinking okay I did the Star Wars and the Empire radio dramas and those are playing on NPR and they were such a cool experience like you know, why couldn't we do more Star Wars audio adventures it's it's so crazy because Star Wars for being as visual as it is like often just you know, just visual storytelling combined with John Williams' music and Ben Burtt's sound effects. Listening to this and the radio dramas too, but especially this, like a brand new story, just how well it works. How natural it feels. Yeah, it's the the triangle of Star Wars ingredients of John Williams' music. The visuals and the sound effects are so strong that you can kind of get away with two of the three. And if you have the music and the sound effects, it works. Or if you have the visuals and the music, it works. You can combine any two and they're strong enough to carry the Star Wars-ness. And Brian Daly, you get the sense listening to this too, has become so familiar with the characters from both the, the solo novels that he wrote and the radio dramas that he just gets that, especially the Han-Luke-Leia relationship, so Right. And even 3 p o like it just feels right. it just feels like the original trilogy it it feels like Star Wars, and there's that's so kind of hard to do, but he just does it so well and yeah, I think that's also like part of what makes this weird little half hour original audio adventure just work as well as it does yeah, it sounds like you're listening to a Star Wars adventure you've never seen before. You can jump in in the middle, and it doesn't take long to figure out that, oh, yeah, this is Star Wars, even with different voice actors. Because this, this version, there's no original actors in it, not even Anthony Daniels, which is kind of weird to go back and listen to because we're now in the age of Anthony Daniels will do anything to C-3PO that he can. And this being one of those rare instances where it's not him, I mean, the only original voice is R2-D2, <laughs> maybe Chewbacca. They didn't have any cash. They didn't have $100 bills for Anthony Daniels. So, you know, that's kind of understandable. But the voice cast is fascinating. It's the same voice cast that, again, is from the read-along books. It's Corey Burton as Luke, which Corey Burton has a long history with Star Wars, so much so that Mark Hamill supposedly once asked Burton to sign autographs as Luke 2. Not Luke, but Luke 2. And Corey Burton also is in Empire Strikes Back. He's the voice of Hobby. Well, and the fact that he's still around and has been voices for Clone Wars, the wonderful Zero the Hut*, And surprise, surprise, if you watched Bad Batch last weekend, he's the voice of Cad Bane. Which is even more crazy that we're back to Ord Mantell and now we're back to Cad Bane and we're back to Corey Burton. <laughs> Secret weapon throughout the history Of Star Wars and his Luke is crazy Good he gets like little Mark Hamill inflections like Right and it's like It's wild
2: Sorry to be the one to tell you Han But uh, you won't have much time For that we've got another mission Coming up come
4: on Luke Don't even fool around about something like that
2: No fooling Han you and Chewie Are both going to be in on it but i'll be there too and so will leia 3po and r2 oh
4: for the lover what are you getting us into this time i
2: don't know something top secret
4: why am i getting this sinking feeling anything else you can tell me pal
2: well just that leia's gonna fill us in on the details when we get back to Hoth.
5: and we can't forget that he is also the cloner's voice of dooku so if we didn't say that, someone would be like, you forgot to say he's Dooku. And yes, he does a wonderful Dooku as well. Yeah, he's Luku. That Luke's voice and Dooku come from the same person is insane. And we just briefly mentioned it, but he's Zero the Hut, One of the greatest voices in the history of Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> if if you want to show off your range, it's like if you have original trilogy Luke, Zero the Hut, and Count Dooku, you can do all of those and throw a little Cad Bane in there. Yeah, you're... That's why he's still working, because he can do it all. Pat Paris is playing Leia in this, and she did a ton of voiceover work. She was in Smurfs, DuckTales. She was Leia in all the read-alongs, of course. She played Daisy Duck a lot, and she's great as Leia. It doesn't necessarily really sound like Carrie Fisher, but there's still something very Leia about the way she does it.
1: Before Alderaan was destroyed, one of my family's off-world holdings was a very profitable interstellar trading company. But the Empire seized ownership. Now the company is shipping a large cash tribute to the Empire.
2: (laughs) Not if we can help it, right?
4: Great. We're so short of real money, Chewie and me have been thinking about hocking my hero's medal. Yeah,
5: she's good. And I think with Ord Mantell in particular, the fact that there isn't an original actor in there to kind of throw your brain off to being like, wait a second, this person sounds like I remember it. These other people don't that as a group, they work together really well to feel like you're still listening to those same characters. Yeah. Cause the radio drama, there's Mark Hamill and then like you'll hear Mark Hamill as Luke and then it sounds like me coming in as Obi-Wan. Right. Oh, yes. I was the great dragon call. It's just, you know, there's something. It, radio dramas are awesome, but it's like I would rather have just all different people playing the parts. And Tony Pope plays Cypher and C-3PO. And Tony Pope was goofy for 11 years. And he's the voice of all the Furbies. And his C-3PO is really something
1: special. Are you certain that R2-D2 understands exactly what I want him to do?
5: Oh, absolutely positive, Your Highness.
1: Isn't
3: that so, R2? (laughs) The programming tape and
2: master code that you fed into R2's memory banks were most specific and comprehensive, Princess
4: Leia.
5: The narrator in this is this guy, Chuck Riley. And not only was he the voice of Charlie Tuna... He did the voiceover in just about like every single trailer of the 1980s. And this really blew my mind. The original E.T. trailer, if you watch it and listen to the narrator in that E.T. trailer and think about that that's the same voice in all the read-along, like Disney read-along records, it's kind of mind-blowing. In 1975, he directed Jaws, In
0: 1978, he directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In 1981, he directed Raiders of the Lost Ark. After the destruction of the Death Star, the Rebel Alliance was forced to abandon its base on the fourth moon of Yavin. And now, Steven Spielberg brings us E.T., the Extraterrestrial. Hunted by Darth Vader and the Imperial Star Destroyers, the rebels have taken refuge on the ice planet Hoth and
5: begun establishing a new base there. And the biggest mystery, too, is the voice of Han Solo. Unknown. See, that blows my mind because I thought it was the same actor from the radio dramas, and I did not realize that it was a mystery voice. How do we not know? Does somebody, Somebody out there has to know who that is. Yeah, and the radio drama was Perry King as Han Solo, who is incredible. He does a great job as Han. But this isn't Perry King. Wikipedia, Wikipedia, it's just it's unknown. It's the same Han from the read-along books. I don't know. If you're listening to this right now, and you have the means to find out who played Han Solo in either the the Star Wars read-along books from the 80s or Rebel Mission to Ord, Ord Mantell, we're giving you a mission. <laughs> Who is this mystery Han voice? It's 2021. How do we not know who played Han in this stuff?
4: (sighs) Hey, sweetheart, can't you turn up the heat in this deep freeze? Did it ever occur to you that she wants you to cool off, Han? Hey, that'll take more than an ice cavern, Junior.
1: Will you two stop that? So, Han, you made it back in one piece, I see.
4: No sweat, your highnessness.
1: Good.
5: Doesn't Cory Burton remember? But maybe they weren't, maybe they didn't record their lines at the same time. That's the thing with the audio; you never know. They may have never been in the room together, any of the any of the voice actors. So, and if you were the Han Solo, wouldn't you have that on? <laughs> wouldn't you be at conventions like I was the Han Solo on the read along record? So I would be like, "You are my second favorite Han Solo of all time." I'm sorry, Alden Ehrenreich. Well, this record gets more and more fascinating the more we learn about it because we learn that we don't really know that much about it because we don't know who did the music either because there's original music on here and the original music is good mixed in with some John Williams stuff. And yeah, there's no credits for the, for the music on this. No. And it, it incorporates Ben bird sound effects. Uh, The producer on the record was this guy, Jim Magon, who. Produced tons of records for Disney. Then he moved to to writing animated TV and films. He worked on a little bit of everything Disney. And he was the co-writer on the much-loved Goofy movie. And I tried reaching out to Jim Magon to try and ask him these hard-hitting questions. Like, who was Han Solo? Or who did the, the music that wasn't John Williams? Because, there, yeah, there's a lot of it that are like riffs on themes from Star Wars and Empire. And Jim Magon didn't write me back. Maybe some secrets should never be told. Some secrets you got to take to the grave. So aside from the radio dramas, this wasn't the only Star Wars thing that Brian Daly did, the radio dramas and the, the solo books. He also he wrote a comic called uh, The Protocol Offensive that uh, was came out much, much later through Dark Horse, and was finished by Ryder Windham and Anthony Daniels. I helped with the story on that. And this next part is really, really interesting. Supposedly, Brian Daly was hired to write some scripts for the droids cartoon season two that never happened, which droids cartoon is very much on everyone's minds. It just came out on Disney+, Plus and next week's episode is going to be all about a lot more of the droids cartoon for everybody. But one of his screenplays he wrote for the Never Happened Droid Season 2 was called Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell. He wrote another screenplay that was called Messengers from the Stars. Don't know what that's about. you got to wonder if, was Brian Daly's Season 2 droids Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell an animated adaptation of... This somehow? How does that make sense? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, would it have been this same story, but with just R2 and 3PO and maybe just other random rebels who weren't Luke, Leia, and Han? Would that still work? Yeah, I think it it, it would have. I could see that as a as a droids episode. Was droids season two, was there a thought at some time of kind of placing the droids cartoon in a more established period of time? Like, were they thinking for a while, like, hey, what if we worked Luke, Han, and Leia into the droids cartoon and just kind of told stories from the droids' perspective? And maybe were they like, hey, we could get these Buena Vista Records read-along actors to do the cartoon voices of Han, Luke, and Leia? I mean, mean, they could have just animated... The record that, yeah, was already done. It would make sense, too, if, if, if that was the idea. Brian Daly would, would be the person to bring in to write those characters. It sends my mind down crazy, weird paths. Well, and now with droids on Disney+, Plus, every time you're sitting there watching droids and you're trying to concentrate on the episode you're watching, your mind's going to be drifting to what would the future have been of droids and what could have been because what has been is pretty crazy. So what could have been is even, can't even imagine. It's an amazing record. And yeah, it. there's a lot of fans that consider it the 14th episode of the Star Wars radio drama or episode zero of the Empire Strikes Back radio drama. And it, it really does fit in really nicely in between the two of them.
1: Two and C3PO are ready. What about the Millennium Falcon?
4: Chewie's got her all set for liftoff, which wasn't easy in this hole in the ice you call a base. Right, Chewie? Mm-hmm.
5: Well, let's go through the record. Let's go through and talk about some of the highlights that are in the record here. It starts out right away with the equivalent of a crawl where we've got our ET narrator kind of bringing us up to speed. It jumps right into the action. And really the first scene in this is kind of incredible because it's Han Solo flying an X Wing. That took me a while to pick up on. Well, Luke eventually says it (laughs) because there was a second there I was like, well, maybe they're in like some other kind of ships. But nope, Luke's like, we're in, we got it, we had to be in X Wings. You think about in 1983 listening to this and imagining Han Solo in an X Wing, and then all the years since then thinking someday we'll see Han Solo in an X Wing. <laughs> and they made two more movies with Han Solo in it. He still never got in an X-wing. So really, this is your only chance to imagine Han Solo in an X-wing, which is pretty cool to think about. It is really cool. The helmet, the yellow goggles things, and there's this whole thing where they they're faking out the Empire so they don't find Hoth. And they're like around like this other jungle planet, and they want to trick the Empire into thinking that their base is there. And there's two star destroyers instead of one that they thought but like their deflector shield isn't strong enough so luke does like this top gun maneuver where he puts his x-wing like on top of han's x-wing to make the deflector shield thing even stronger (laughs) it's crazy right away in the first five minutes this is what's going on i'm gonna maneuver my ship in
2: right over yours as close as i can get
4: close. Luke, I can read the serial numbers on your engines.
2: R2-D2, get set back there. Han, when I give the word, bring up your deflector shields slowly. R2 can integrate them and we'll have twice as much deflector power.
4: If R2 can do it instead of overloading them, if we don't collide, if there isn't... If you've got
2: a better idea, now's the time for it.
4: Like I said, stay close, but just don't sneeze. Get
2: ready, R2. Han, bring up your deflectors. I'm
4: starting now, Luke. The TIE fighters are closing in on us fast from behind.
2: How's it going, R2?
4: It's like
5: a Fast and Furious movie, but with X-Wings. So hopefully in the Rogue Squadron movie, we'll get some uh, combined forces of shields by ships flying cockpit to cockpit or something crazy. That's the thing, too. The sound work of... The dogfight when lasers start going and, like, the sounds of the X-wings, it's on a different level than what you would expect from a normal, just, like, kid's record. No, you got to get your big headphones out, your big, puffy, comfy headphones, and put them on when you're listening to this. Also, the whole first half of this with Luke and Han is kind of in audio space, like, all from Luke's point of view, because Han has is like voices coming through the through the radio so he's got that like radio staticky effect on his voice which is kind of cool. Yeah, again, it's it doesn't have to be this deluxe. <laughs> and it reminds me of the level of production that honestly was in the NPR radio dramas. Yeah, it's high quality stuff. I mean, there was a few times listening to it again today where I had to pause because I thought there were people in my house talking to me. And it was just some of the, like, ambient sounds in the record. And they're giving so much information to you so quickly that you have to pay attention. If you miss one thing that someone said, you're like, oh, wait, I don't know what's going on here. But Luke and Han escape from the Star Destroyers, and Leia calls them to tell them they have another mission, but first got to go back to Hoth, which Han can't stop complaining about. In this scene here, this is what I'm talking about Where Brian Daly just gets the Han, Luke, Leia Empire Strikes Back kind of dialogue Just perfect And it's, it's like refreshing
4: to hear It's like a cool breeze
1: Oh, what's wrong, Han? Aren't you enjoying yourself?
4: Oh, you mean aside from Hoth Base being short on supplies Cramped as a kiddie-sized spacesuit And cold as a Tauntaun's tail? Don't let him kid
2: you, Leia. He missed the place.
4: I what?
5: <laughs> yeah, the dialogue with them is great. And then mixed with just the Hoth, like ambient bass sound effects, like you can hear little droids rolling around and, and people working on the ships. And it's just, yeah, it's like you're watching a Star Wars movie with your eyes closed. Leia's got this whole plan how they've got to go to Ord Mantel. And there's like, what, some old. Alderaan money that they're gonna like get off like a shipping container or something and R2-D2 has got to change the the shipping information and they say it about 50 times in this plan of going over the mission that R2-D2 has a master code
1: (laughs) I have a master code for the computer. It was an Organa family secret. R2 can use it to manipulate the system Yeah, I get it
2: so we land, Chewbacca can stay aboard the Falcon and keep her ready for liftoff.
1: Yes, and Han accompanies R2 and me to the computer terminal to switch loading instructions.
2: And the money ends up on an ordinary cargo carrier.
5: <laughs> and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, so what you're telling me is R2-D2 is a master codebreaker. He is. It just makes me think, I'm pretty sure this is the case. Ryan Johnson is a fan of this record. Just Think about it, last Jedi starts out with some x wing action, some sweet tricks with an x wing Then you get a mission. you hear about a master code breaker. I think somewhere in his head he was just basing the the last jedi off rebel mission to ord mantel it 's my theory, and i 'm sticking with it. The only thing missing was a container full of vegetables or old shoes. They wanted to ask you, "Well, what's going to be in the in the container after we switch out the money?" I don't know, vegetables or old shoes.
1: And later, the Imperial Security Convoy takes away a container filled with vegetables or old shoes or whatever. Right.
5: <laughs> Star Wars is full of that stuff. I don't know, some some vegetables, some old shoes. <laughs> that was the line from the script that got the people making the droids cartoon excited. They're like, "Oh." vegetables and old shoes that's totally what we want in droids those are in mungo's Ar- mungo baobab's archive already <laughs> people say what that galaxy's at i don't know just a bunch of vegetables and old shoes <laughs> uh, so okay they got to go to ord mantel and they got to meet up with fodrus the narithian and he's a bug person and this part is weird because han solo really doesn't like bug people Fun-loving scoundrel Han Solo Kind of turns into a jerk And basically doesn't want anything to do with bug people He doesn't trust bug people 3PO gives him a hard time Calls him intolerant <laughs> I feel like everyone is just like Geez Han, what's your problem, man? Like,
4: <laughs> no. I thought you were cool What's up?
1: We have a rebel agent in place already His name is Fodrus He's an Narithian
4: An Narithian? One of those bugs? What's eating you, Han? I don't trust him, not a Nerithian. Really, Captain Solo? just because a member of the Rebellion happens not to be a human being is no justification for you to be so intolerant. Listen, Goldenrod, Nerithians get hatched, two or three of them to an egg.
1: But Fodrus is one of the most loyal agents the Alliance has. He's risked his life for us, not once, but many times.
4: I still don't like it. You can't count on a bug. It's like now we know why he wasn't sitting at the
5: bar in A New Hope, because there was a, the grasshopper was standing at the bar. So Han's like, I'm not going to go by that guy. I'm going to sit here in the corner. <laughs> Dr. Mandible would walk into the bar and be like, I'm not going in there with that guy sitting in there. Yeah. He's got some issues. He's got to work out. When we learn more about Fodrus, the bug person, and his fascinating backstory where he
4: had an eggmate. Nerithians are too close to their eggmates for one thing. I heard they even mind-link when they're close together. How'd you know this Fodris can keep a secret?
1: Because one of Fodris' eggmates found out about his ties to the Rebellion, Han. He tried to kill Fodris. Fodris was forced to kill him instead.
5: Satisfied, Han?
4: I guess I'll have to be.
5: Good. I completely forgot that we talked about this in 2016. When I listened to it again recently, I was freaking out because I'm... 110% hundred and ten percent sure this is where the idea for Rogue One, the backstory for two tubes, Benthink and Edrio came from. Eggmates, right? It's gotta be, right? Yeah, because that was that was the the thing I think blowing our minds the first time we listened to this was that was right around the the lead up to Rogue One or just right after Rogue One, and there was I wanna say it was like the card in the case with his costume at like San Diego Comic Con or wherever they had their costumes said that he had an eggmate or there was a trading card or something that said they were eggmates. I want to say it even said they shared like a mind link or something, which is what they talk about in Ord Mantell with Fodris and his eggmate sharing a mind link. Yeah, because I started tripping out, being like, "Wait, is two tubes underneath his mask? Is he like a bug person?" maybe is he a narithian and all this stuff no but i started getting way too excited about the eggmate idea well eggmate is exciting and then you start thinking about two tubes and two tubes is exciting and you get stuck in a in a loop of one cool thing leads to another and next thing you know it's dark out and you forgot to eat lunch why am i not wearing a shirt what happened where did my family go is this even my house why am I in the middle of the desert talking to a fox? Careful when you start thinking about two tubes. Okay. So he killed his egg mate. They find out Vader is after the Falcon. Jabba has upped the bounty on Han Solo. Okay. We got to go to Ord Mantell. So Han and Lan are two are with Fodrus and they're unlocking the door to the money but surprise surprise it's not Fodrus it's actually Cypher and what Cypher and Solo have a showdown right yeah well in Fodrus/Cypher's voice is amazing he has this goofy alien voice and when he first starts talking he like comes in in stereo it's pretty intense
3: The computer terminal is over this way, sir and ma'am. The outlet should be
5: compatible with your R2 unit.
1: Thanks, Fodris. R2, plug yourself into the system.
5: So Cypher's going to kill Han. So Han's like, let me take my belt off. (laughs) Because if you're going to take me prisoner, I want to be comfortable. So instead of just giving him his gun, he takes off his belt and... I can't see what he does, but I'm imagining it, that he does some kind of cool whip move with his belt and knocks Cypher's gun out of his hand. Sound effect is kind of confusing, and what, Hanzos is like, it's not the first time I've done that. And it's like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. We're just it's we're like, rolling along with you here. Right. Do you even still have pants on? We don't know, <laughs> but at least Cypher doesn't have his
4: gun. Where do you want it, Cypher?
3: Don't try to stall me solo. Just throw it over here to me. Here you go. <laughs> Stay back, Leia. (sighs) Clever. That was very clever, Solo. No one has ever disarmed Cypher before. Now, I can see how you came by your reputation.
4: Let's just say I've had some practice with that trick, Cypher. Comes in handy sometimes. Keep away from your blaster. My weapon
3: is closer than yours. You can't win.
4: I'm warning you, Cypher.
3: Even you are not that fast,
4: Solo. You don't want to find out. You
3: can't bluff me, Solo. Ah! Come on, look out!
4: Ah. And then they got to contact
5: the freight dock, and it's classic Star Wars. Because we're dealing with cases of money and shipping container cargo. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of drama about the shackle that's holding the landing gear <laughs> down, which they had that in Solo. So, yeah, you know, maybe you know. inspirations. But, yeah, there's a lot of drama about a container. And then the, like, what is it? The foreman comes in or the, what is, 3PO keeps calling him? The, like, the supervisor. The, yeah, the supervisor comes in. <laughs> And it's like, hey, who are you? And Luke's like, oh, I started yesterday.
3: Hey, you two. Uh, just hold it right
2: there. Oh, dear. Shh. Uh, I don't remember seeing you around before. I, uh, I just started yesterday. Eh? Uh, and what about your droid there? It doesn't look like any heavy labor droid I ever saw. Uh, maybe
3: I'd better lock down your carrier's controls until I find out what all this is about.
2: Now wait a minute. Oh, I wouldn't risk that if I were you, supervisor, sir. What I
3: mean to say is, ah, uh, pipe down and get to work. I'm gonna get in touch with the front office. This is
5: crazy it's like my ahead. obsession with who designs the clothes in Star Wars. That somewhere there's like someone like making clothes or making shoes or making boots or something. And also, I want like a Disney Plus series about. The day-to-day life of the shipping container supervisor <laughs> on Ord Mantel in Star Wars World. Just the guy with a normal job that gets up and goes to his job supervising shipping cargo containers. Because when you were like a 12-year-old kid, that's what you were waiting to find out more about. Because you could relate to it. It's like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a supervisor. Just like, just like in Star Wars. Yeah, so then what? Stormtroopers show up Everything's getting crazy Luke cuts the, the landing Things off with his lightsaber Yeah, and it gets Super, super surround stereo For a bit here There's lasers going off, there's lightsabers You there! Hulk.
2: Master Luke, they're firing on us I'm almost through Raise the ship, 3PO! But Master Luke ah! That's it! The shackle's off! Lift off, 3PO! But you're not too bold. I'll hang on to the landing skid! Get us out of here! Now! Oh, hold on tightly, Master Luke!
5: Well, and after this is another exciting thing that you didn't know you would ever actually see is 3PO gets to fly the ship. And it's the cover of the record, but it's one of those things... Will we ever see three p o really fly a ship, and eventually, yes, we did, but this was our first little i guess in nineteen eighty three tease of will we ever see three p o flying a spaceship? We gotta talk for a second about the cover too, because I put the question out there on Twitter last week, and it's a bit of a mystery who did the amazing cover artwork for this, but we do have a illustrated version of this scene. And one of the best things about the cover is three PO flying the ship, and it's clearly a shuttle from the original series Star Trek yeah. that three PO is flying. <laughs> so the Star Wars Star Trek is crossover has always been there. It's always a real thing. It's like peanut butter and chocolate. And if you love both and you want to see C three PO flying a, a Federation shuttle craft, there you go. Yeah. Well, it's got you know pontoons on the side, so it's different. <laughs> That's how they make them on Ord Mantell. So. Yeah, it can land in the water. So yeah, what well, Han has to make a flying catch. They say it twenty times to go get Luke, who's hanging off this the side of this uh, this little ship, and the Ord Mantel control is saying that like they're not authorized to take off or something. And this is one of my favorite parts in the whole record. What so Leia's just like gave me. Can you describe what happens here? <laughs> so it's somewhere between a smooth voice. And a sexy voice that Leia does to try to distract the people on the radio, whether they're the Empire people or the shipping people. And what is she? She's captain. I was trying to figure out what the name is, like, Forlith or something.
1: <laughs> tell Control, this is Captain Balrith of the Starship Victory Ring. Well, what do you know? Quiet! Control, I'm just running a little test on my ship's thrusters. Repeat, this is just a test. I didn't make you nervous, did I, Control?
4: Well, it is rather irregular, Captain Falworth. Look, see that cargo carrier over there? It's got to be Luke, headed this way. Oh, uh,
1: uh, Control, when I set my ship back down, perhaps I should come over and apologize in person.
5: What? (laughs) It's kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, not anything we've ever seen Princess Leia do before or since, but... That's, you know, Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell is a bunch of things that you may never, ever see again. But you can hear them here. Well, you really should ground your ship now, Captain Fowler. Uh, But uh,
0: that is... uh...
1: Thanks a lot. Catch you later. That won't hold him for long, Han.
4: You did fine, sister. Chewie, angle the cargo hatch around in Luke's direction.
1: Come on, Luke, pour it on!
4: You can't
5: forget when they do the flying catch... That when Luke slams on the brakes with his ship, they literally play car brakes sound mixed in with the space stuff, which just is like a cherry on top of this little Star Wars LP Sunday that you're listening to. And then, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much the climax of the action. <laughs> Because, yeah, they pick up Luke, and then our narrator is back, and he, and that's it. And goodbye. See you later, everybody. <laughs> there's, there's only two grooves less, left, and we're gonna, the record won't play anymore, so we got to get out of here. Like we were saying, all of this just speaks to the fact that there could and should be more Star Wars audio dramas. This is a half-hour little adventure that explains one line in The Empire Strikes Back. And it works. And it's super-duper fun. And it makes me think about how good this format could be for original trilogy adventures, prequel trilogy adventures, Clone Wars actors, sequel trilogy, whole new stories with all new characters done in an audio format. They could be released as a as a podcast format, like the possibilities are endless for star Wars audio only adventures, yeah, we got the Dooku book, which was cool, but there is something neat about these shorter adventures that you can kind of put it on, zone out, have a little adventure, and then wait for next week for the next thing, as opposed to like an eight hour long book or something. Could there, there was the Dooku book, there was the, the Afro book. And it it was great to see them kind of embracing this idea again and how well those worked. But yeah, I would love to see just like little mini adventures. But I almost wonder if the, at this point, you know, for good or bad, if the day of the audio drama is kind of over because we're getting these types of things in animation. And now with Forces of Destiny, Galaxy of Heroes, the little rolling ball thing like we're kind of getting this concept of these kind of small little star wars stories in an animated format instead of an audio format so maybe next time there's a galaxy of adventures new cartoon we can just listen to it instead of watching it and imagine that (laughs) it's a new radio drama (laughs) go back and listen to the uh the Lego holiday special, but just only listen to it. I would love to see this get reissued in some way. If if starwars.com made it available, it's like a downloadable file that just because this is just a really, really special little period in star Wars history. And it's Brian Daly and Anything he touches, Star Wars is pretty much gold. Well, it would be interesting now with the vintage section on Disney Plus. If something like this would ever end up on Disney Plus, where you would play it, you would just see the album cover, but you could listen to it through your Disney Plus. Or if they had Jibs or Droid World, like remember in the, I want to say it was like ten years ago, maybe maybe it was longer than that. At this point, there was a thing where the people were putting comics on DVD. Mhm that you know you could do something like that with some of the read-alongs and and get them on Disney Plus because they do kind of I mean now that there is that vintage section it kind of there's a place for the kind of weird stuff like this I wouldn't be surprised I never ever would have thought that we would have Crystal Clear Droids cartoon and Lindy, the comedy droid, in <laughs> <laughs> HD on a Disney streaming service. So <laughs> yeah. who would have imagined Lindy in HD? <laughs> so, not me. <laughs> but yeah, in the meantime, Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell is available on YouTube, uh, several different sites in different parts. And we'll we'll have the link to it in this episode's show notes. And we gave a little fragmented sampling of it, but it's it's really worth listening to on your own. Put your headphones on and groove along with Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell because, yeah, it's it's a fascinating little nugget of Star Wars history. Yeah, it's Star Wars history, and it's also Star Wars now with the tie-in to Bad Batch, with the droids cartoons now being on Disney+. And, you know, even with the voice acting of Corey Burton, like, it's all coming back. So yeah, if you haven't listened to it, now's the perfect time.
0: This is Anthony Daniels inviting you to join me as C-3PO in the only radio production of Star Wars on National Public Radio. Did your hands off me, you filthy little creatures! ask
4: what you to do? Star Wars radio-controlled R2-D2. Two 9-volt and 2C alkaline batteries not included. You can make R2-D2 move, beep, and flashes light by wireless radio control. Hey, let me try. You can make R2 move forward.
0: Look
4: out, Dad! Backward, turn, and beep.
0: I turn, Dad?
4: Radio-controlled R2-D2. New from the Star Wars collection by Kenner.
5: Apple Podcast Reviews, they help the show in ways we don't understand. But what we do understand is that we love reading your reviews. When you say something nice about the show, it brings warm feelings to our heart. So if you listen on some sort of Apple something or other, go over there, write a little something about this episode, about any episode in the past. Write something about the Crate Dragon episode. That's a classic. If you want, you can write a review about an episode that hasn't even happened yet. (laughs) Write a review about your dream episode that you hope to happen someday. (laughs) What does your heart tell you? (laughs) Yeah, so go leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts, please. And after that, check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you sign up to be in the Super Chill Group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. Every week, we are doing bad batch review episodes. Oh, boy, that show. Oh, boy. For a show with bad in the title, there's nothing bad about it. It's good batch. It's what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The best batch. Yeah, so that's going on over there on the Patreon. And if you already are a member of the Blast Points Army, thank you so much. But that about wraps up number 271 here. Rebel Mission to Ord Mantell. I know. I kind of love that record a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's short. You can get in. You can get out and have a good time and just play it twice. It's it's Slayer Rain and Blood all over again. You got to play it twice. (laughs) You can put it on a cassette. It can be on both sides of the cassette just let it loop all day long. It starts over and you're like you know what I'm okay yeah. with this yeah Han's an x-wing again all right <laughs> Han doesn't like bug people. It's still weird gotta figure that out <laughs> yeah. All right folks tune in next week for our droids cartoon episode indie year is getting delayed a week because the droids cartoon came out of nowhere so next week's all about that and uh, and yeah thank you so much every single one of you for listening. Thank you everybody bye bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.
0: a dark time for the rebellion the fight against the empire goes on though they are hunted and harried the rebels have won an important victory and they can still look with hope for the day when peace and justice are restored to the galaxy